0: of milta with Earth, and burying most signs of human occupation, under the goat home Velt. They buried the battlefields of the last war, yes, and the old capital too, but also countless farming villages, small towns, and homesteads. The flood stopped short of a ring of cliffs they call Miracle Bluffs today, held back from swallowing the seaside trading city of Stageport. Now, with the old capital dead and buried, Stageport is Milta's greatest city. Depending, of course, on how one measures greatness. Today, the crew of the Westbreaker puts ashore in this ancient city to see its greatness, or what passes for greatness, for themselves. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, King Kat, and with me today are my Knights of the Realm. Kathleen, the clever. Hi. Nick, the bold. Hi. And Kirsten, the terrible.
1: <laughs> yep. Apt, I tell you. Apt. <laughs>
2: Very much so.
0: You're my bestie, and I'm looking forward to seeing you, but you're the pits.
1: I'm kind of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you're just... You're, yeah. So...
0: This arc, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. If you've listened to the last Cat's Cradle, you'll know that we're implementing a lot of changes to Heroic Chord because this is a playtest campaign after all. And the first one we're going to talk about is Key. So if you didn't listen to Cat's Cradle, say you're only here for the story or you just really don't like it when I don't do an intro. And that's fair. I stumble over them. You don't need to be mean about it, but I get where you're coming from. A character now has five kind of driving motivations. And every time they act out of that motivation, they get to take two extra die and mark it off. When all five are marked, they gain access until the end of the arc to their signature spell pieces. And these are spell pieces that you just come up with. They don't come from a list or anything. Actually, so are the key pieces. So with that in mind, let's talk about our keys. Let's start with Penelope.
1: All right. So Penelope has chosen for her key, when she acts out of determination or impulsivity or caring or nurture or loyalty, she can add those dice. I added impulsivity because the words in your key don't necessarily have to be always a positive action, but it's very Penelope to act impulsively.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Thanks for bringing that up, Kirsten. They don't have to be like positive. They just kind of need to be a description of what drives your character.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's a big one for her.
2: Penelope will be checking off impulsivity probably pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like five minutes from now, probably. (laughs) And um, her signature spell is supporting earth. And she'll be
0: able to use either the piece supporting or the piece earth in combination with other pieces. Or cast the spell supporting earth.
1: Mm-hmm. I kind of like the sound of the spell supporting earth. I haven't quite decided at what it would look like, but I like the sound of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like
3: it's every spell. It depends on the context you cast it. I think that during my arc, I used the spell become stance to do like five different things.
0: <laughs> True. <laughs> You're not wrong.
3: So Tissa's keys are discovery, compulsion, empathy, Destiny, and Love. Oh, I like those a lot. And her
0: signature spell is Chiming Roots. I like that a lot. I think those really kind of, those are very Tissa.
2: Those are, those are very good ones for Tissa.
0: That's kind of what I was hoping.
2: Yes, and Cobb's Key, his pieces are Justice, Solidarity, Equality, Hospitality, and Benevolence. And his signature pieces are... In the opposite direction with Invincible Cut. Ooh. He Very is a good. a swordsman after all. He
3: is a swordsman. Is that still his best role is hit thing with sword? G- yes. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Yay. Speaking of best role, you know what's hilarious? This is a little side, but since we've been out on the ocean for a while, Penelope is actually better at survival nautical than survival boreal. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, she's got somebody <laughs> to teach her survival nautical. Like nobody taught yeah. her how to survive in the woods.
1: She just kind of did <laughs> Yeah.
0: But she's got people who are showing her how to survive at sea. Makes
1: yeah. sense. Yeah. I kinda like that. I kind of I kinda think that's kinda neat.
0: The Westbreaker pulls into the port of Stageport. And you can tell this is coming from a ways. Partly because the ocean is clear and glassy and the clouds are high and Whoever's up on lookout, probably Tissa, can spot the city from ages away. Even though the sun is beginning to go down now, while the sun was high, you could see the gray and brown buildings clustered all together by the seaside, like they're gathering around to watch fireworks. You may have heard it, the seabirds are numerous and shrill here. Partially because this is a port, this is land, and partially because there are humans here who can be tricked, and
2: their french fries can be stolen. Oh uh, yes, we're back in the town where all the french fries live.
0: We're back in the <laughs> town where all the french fries live. <laughs> <laughs> so it is around dusk when the Westbreaker glides into port and drops anchor. plague is lowered, and you are in the largest city in Amilta. There are people everywhere, even at dusk. The port is bustling with crates and merchandise and sailors and shouting and people running to and fro. Maybe they might be fleeing from something, and a couple of them probably are. You can hear human voices, abundant human voices. And not far away is the market, and you can tell by the brilliant canopies you can see through the streets and just peering out from behind corners, that it is still open. Despite the sun being about to sink, the air was quiet, and then you arrived here.
1: How does Polly react to this?
0: Have you and Polly ever been to the big city? Or a big Uh, city? Uh,
1: no, we haven't been to Stageport before. We've been to Hushwave, which is probably the biggest we've been to. Yeah, we've never been to a Stageport or anything like that.
0: So the first thing Polly does is she alights from the deck and lands on solid ground. She gives her hooves a little clap-clap, as if trying to reassure herself that this is the real ground. The ground. Wow. She never thought she'd miss it. She never thought she gave a damn about the ground, but here we are. (laughs) We have ground.
1: It's ground.
0: ground and it doesn't sway weirdly. And that's just wow. So cool. But then she notices that she's surrounded by people and kind of begins to shift back toward the ship.
1: Penelope kind of notices her kind of move back towards the group and kind of puts a hand on her mane a little bit and kind of is taking in everything because it's also a little... There's a lot of... lot going on. So she's just kind of trying to get her bearings.
2: Cobb is kind of just looking over everything and... Well, first things first, we should probably find the harbor master and get mooring here. So I will go do that. It's been a little while since I've been here, but shouldn't have changed too much. Last time I was here, there was a pretty good tavern. Oh, a couple blocks that way, uh, big old sign with a rose on it. I can't remember if it's the Rose Tavern or if it, they just had the just had the big wooden rose. But that's what I remember, and if it's still there, they do a very good stew.
3: Tissa has kind of a nervous energy because the thing that she remembers about Stageport is that she went in here kind of by whim one time and then it took her like a month and a half to get out. Oh. And so she's sort of also like sitting there with Polly and like maybe what she does is grabs like a little notebook and tries to make like a map of where the dock is right now clever I'm thinking that's going to be an adaptability or a sensitivity role.
0: yeah and yeah absolutely
3: it seems like I want it to be a tactics roll because that's a worse role for Tissa
0: <laughs> I'm not sure it is a tactics role. I think it's uh, maybe navigation tracking uh, I'd take tracking I know navigation is what Tissa's extremely good at, so. Yeah. I don't know, what would cartography fall under? I mean, probably navigation, but. I'd take tracking if it's kind of
3: like a self tracking. This is a uh, 65511, so I guess Tissa is like really on top of this right now. Tissa has learned. Tissa has learned. Probably just take the three successes. Yeah, Tissa does good map.
0: Okay. Okay. You ever been to the big city, Tissa?
3: (sighs) I'm not sure how I left the big city.
0: Oh, yeah. You get so lost here. Yep. Last time I was here, I was with the commander, and he never gets lost, so... Mm. I just kind of, I mean, hopped on his back until he yelled at me. What do you remember about here? Let's see. Um... There's a tavern over that away. And it has like a swan out front. They do make just like really nice bread there. Oh. Um let's see. I spent a lot of time following the commander around because he was acting weird. Weird? Yeah, weird. Hmm. Even weirder than usual. I followed him around, but I never solved the mystery. But then I got distracted. Mm, 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 mm. Because look, the rocks here, they come from everywhere. Oh. She points at a nearby building. You think that's indigenous to here? That's nowhere near indigenous to here. Where is it from then? It's from up north. Oh. Not too far up north, but Mm -hmm. you can still find stones like these under the veldt. Oh. Yeah. Oh.
3: My hometown is built out of rocks like this. Uh, the plants are kind of like that too, cause like everyone has these little uprooted plants, and they're kind of some are from here, but they're from all over too. Yeah. Huh?
0: Gardens, Penelope.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is. It is like a garden.
0: So, what are you guys gonna do once Mister Cobble gets back?
1: Uh.
3: uh to some blanks
1: there where is a good spot to, like, stables?
0: There might be one around here. You can get Polly to go in a stable.
1: Hmm. Somewhere nice and a little bit more serene for Polly. Might be good.
0: You guys could go exploring the Undercity.
1: Undercity?
0: Is that a thing? Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing, all right. And... Clara, um, you can tell by the shift in Clara's posture and demeanor that she's doing the equivalent of lighting a flashlight under her chin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Penelope oh, yeah. doesn't quite like dark spaces, so she's actually going to mm-hmm. roll uh, subtlety humanity to kind of like not show too much fear. She's like... Hmm,
0: okay, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Clara doesn't have humanity.
1: <laughs> and
3: then I'm, I'm rolling sensitivity humanity to make sure that she's not messing with us.
1: <laughs> okay. So I got one success, one edge success.
0: <laughs> and Tissa got two successes. Let me think. Penelope and Clara got the same amount. Penelope <laughs> was rolling to see if Penelope was scared. <laughs> so it comes down to which of you decides to keep that edge success.
1: Um, so if I keep, what do I, what's the... If you keep the edge success, you will let
0: slip something else that bothers you. You know what? Sure. Yeah. I'm going to leave that up to you. Just like, what else is Penelope afraid of? She gives like a, well, it's not like there's spiders or something like that. Should I, should I... Yeah, that's up to you. I'm not going to make character choices for you. Are you afraid of spiders? Are you afraid of the dark? Yes, that's the point.
3: Personally, I'm afraid of syndicated shows from the 90s.
2: I'm not I mean.
0: Actually, yes. <laughs> Are you afraid of the dark? Legit scarred me for life. <laughs> so, Stageport's a real old city. It's from before the cataclysm. It's from forever ago. And you know how it is in old cities. They build on top of buildings, on top of buildings. And there's a whole nother network of tunnels underneath it. Wow, Some of them have stood the test of time. Some of them were well-engineered and genuinely marvels. Some of them, not so much. Some areas are all sunk in. And you could wander under the city without seeing daylight for days.
1: Mm. Mm. days.
0: So if you go in the Undercity, you better bring somebody who never gets lost and jump on his back until he yells at you.
1: It does sound good to have a guide in the Undercity.
0: <clears throat> when we got to the Undercity, when I was following the commander around, he told me to go back. He told me not to go in there.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I really wanted to see it. What was he doing? I don't know. You followed it. Um, well,
3: mm, I guess that's not so strange. I guess I don't know what you're doing most of the time.
0: Does anybody know what anybody's doing?
1: I don't think anyone really knows what anyone's doing.
0: I mean, I would know what you guys were doing if I paid attention, but I usually don't.
1: But we don't know everything anyone's doing, because there's a lot that happens underneath what you see. Yeah? Like what? Uh. It's like the undercity of this city. There's an under person of the person right like things that you're thinking <gasps>
0: the under Penelope
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah
2: the under conscience
1: whoa he's back what did the harbor harbor um, harbor person say
2: yeah the harbor master no i i we I've paid the mooring fee and we're good to go
1: okay uh,
3: Beck guy have you been to the undercity Uh,
2: probably. It was one of those things where certain parts of it are kind of tourist trappy, and uh, I've been to a couple of them. It was fun.
1: So you've seen it, so we don't need to see it again.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you want to. (laughs) There Um. are still a few things in the Undercity that are active, I should say. There's a couple of restaurants and little shops down there, usually in very specific districts. A lot of it is just kind of run-down buildings that they just built on top of.
1: There's food down there.
2: In some places. Again, more of the touristy parts of it, you'll actually see, like, people still have uh, shops and stuff down there. Oh, you want to go get some underground food? Sure, we've got all of this pirate treasure.
1: Huh. We do have a lot of money um, for food.
2: I'll go get Sot to give us some spending cash.
0: And then uh, Marcus kind of walks down the gangplank, gives you guys a wave, proceeds down the street, (laughs) does not say anything.
1: Oh wait, Mark! Mark.
0: Hmm. And he, he stops and turns around, looks at you, puzzled. Are Are you usual. coming
1: with us, or do you have your own um, your own things to do?
0: I have uh people I need to connect with in the city.
1: Uh oh. Okay. Um. You have a good time.
2: They've all become obsessed with the Undercity, Marcus. So don't go spooking oh. them.
0: The Undercity is not quite as dramatic as. Uh, I'm assuming either Cobb or Clara told you probably Clara
1: <laughs> Penelope kind of like her shoulders kind of they they kind of settle down to their normal position huh. I, I did hear there's food there that might be nice
0: <laughs> hmm. okay <laughs> <laughs> it can be difficult to navigate uh without being able to see quite as many landmarks but
3: Sometime you're going to have to tell me how you can tell where things are without looking at the sky. But you have to do things. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, You'll excuse me? Mm. And he proceeds on his way. Claire is like,
2: weird. Anyways, and... Cobb-like hands out little coin purses. I had sought Marcus down for a hundred farthings? No. Whatever the money is oh. here. It's big oh. It's big nerd dollars. Get it right. It's big nerd, it's
0: big <laughs> nerd <B&D>. dollars. A <laughs> uh, hundred of them, okay? Listener, don't worry about it. Whatever it is, there's a hundred of them, okay?
2: <laughs> here, don't, don't spend it all in one place.
0: If you'll excuse me, I have detective work to do. (laughs) Then she carries off after uh, the direction Mark has walked in.
3: Uh, uh, Wait, wait. Uh, Wait, wait. wait. This seems like a thing that I might want to follow up on later. Just wants to do an ether tie because I think she's still worried about getting lost.
0: Yeah, no problem. Okay. This way you can always find me, Clara. And as yeah. long as I keep my quarry in my sights, we won't get lost. Mm. Mm. My prey.
1: I, I I, Are you sure you... Maybe Marcus wants his privacy?
0: Or maybe. He's being blackmailed by some nefarious syndicate run out of the seander underbelly of Stageport, and he's trying to hide it from us because he's too proud to admit that something's gone horribly wrong and the only way that we can help him is to stumble across it innocently. Tissa
2: looks to Cobb. Do they have this? I, I think Clara reads too many trashy mystery novels.
1: The mention of, like, a syndicate and stuff, Penelope kind of, like, clutches the, the coin purse a little bit closer to her and is kind of, like, shifting, looking at the people walking around the harbor, like, could you be a thief? Could you be <laughs> the? Could you? Oh, could no. You? I don't think you'd have
2: to worry about any sort of syndicates, Penelope, but you should be on the lookout for pickpockets.
1: Okay. She, like, Penelope sticks her corn purse down and, like, uh, puts it tight on her belt and sort of right in front so she can feel it.
2: I would imagine she's just going to hide it under her hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am quite hungry, though. She'd find some food, big city food.
2: <gasps> yes. Okay, well, I'll take you over. I'll take you to the Wooden Rose We'll see if that's actually its name or not.
1: Mm. Bye. Bye! Bye, Clara. Have fun. Be
2: careful. Bye. No, you! So,
0: a ways down the block, down a still busy street, despite the setting sun, there is an establishment with a dark, reddish-brown wooden exterior... Accents that were probably once whitewashed, but are now flaking and gray. And there is a weather-beaten sign featuring a red rose.
3: And what's inside the building?
0: What is inside the building is what scientists refer to as a dive bar. Mm. Okay. (laughs) It is crowded. It is messy. There are some tables... The regulars are slouched over as if resigned to their lives in this place. The staff move effortlessly among these slouched over husks of people. The staff also
2: seem a little slouched. I think I see a table over there. Penelope, go uh, go sit down and I'll get us some drinks. What do you want? Uh, c- cider? Anything for you, Tissa? Y- yes. Last time I was here, they had a really good, uh, they had a really good ale.
3: There was this thing that I had last time that was way stronger than that. And I haven't had that since, but maybe, oh, I don't know.
2: I'm sure they have spirits here. They did last time I was here, and it doesn't look that different. Mm, mm, mm. I'll come up with something for you. Have a seat.
1: Penelope, like quickly starts making a beeline for the table furthest away from the rest of the people in the, like, corner of the room. She does not like crowds and this crowded space.
3: Two edge successes on Subtlety Humanity. Everyone can tell that Tissa is totally gawking.
0: I mean, it could be a little bit hard to tell with the face, but... Mm-hmm.
3: With the face covered and the big floppy hat... And maybe a cloak hood, too, somehow? I'm not quite sure how that works yet.
0: If you're always wearing it, I'm going to have to do a lot more jokes about how little you can hear. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the hood is not up.
2: Cobb is just, he he kind of walks up to uh, a sort of an open spot on the bar and wraps his knuckles on it and says, Uh, hey, barkeep, can I get a couple of ciders, uh to the ale, and can we get a rusty nail? There's a stern-looking young lady behind the bar. She is all
0: of maybe five feet tall. Got hair pulled back tightly from her face and kind of a hawkish appearance. And she just gives you a nod and sets about procuring the drinks. All business. And
2: then returns with those drinks. Thank you kindly ordered four drinks? Yeah, four drinks and uh, three orders of the house stew. That'd be great. And Cobb sort of, like, drops the right amount of B&D on the counter.
0: And she just kind of barks a brace out back into the kitchen and gives you a little, a little wave.
2: Thank you kindly. And Cobb kind of does the little, like... Uh, like drinks, like holding the drinks up above, like, shoulder line to make sure he doesn't spill anything or bump into anybody. As he walks on back to the table, here you go, uh, couple of ciders for you, and something that I, I don't get that often, but I think you'll like. And Cobb slides the, the cocktail over to Tissa and, and takes a big swig of his giant cartoonish ale.
3: Thank you. Oh, it tastes like the South.
2: Yeah, they're uh, they're not bad. I forget what's in them exactly, but uh, they're always good. They do sneak up on you though, so don't mm. have too many.
0: Mm. Mm. There is in the corner a woman. She is dressed like a cartoon sailor, with a flowy blouse and a tight bodice, and she sits on a stool and is singing a low strong mournful sort of tune someone from the audience tallish fellow with glasses gets up and begins accompanying a number he apparently knows on uh let's say a fiddle just because i don't want to steal Cobb's accordion thunder i was
3: gonna say a zither
0: those things aren't deeply portable that's true.
3: Um, <laughs> How about a dulcimer, then?
0: A dulcimer. They're relatively portable.
3: Yeah. Well, not like a hammer dulcimer.
0: Those aren't, but... You know what? Like, like a flute. Let's say a flute. Okay. A flute is bad portable and fairly universal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And she is winding through a song about love and loss and tragedy and old friends one of those songs that the sea brings out in people and the way that she sings and the way that she smiles as the lyrics leave her lips sort of point to a deeper knowledge of her song than she can express otherwise she gives a nod to the patron who's come up to join her, they both kind of exchange a look, they clearly know each other and some of the regulars look up sit back in their chairs to watch. Some of them begin to sway. Many more of them just order another drink and do nothing.
2: Oh, this is an old one. I haven't heard this one in a long time.
1: Uh Oh? What's it called?
2: Uh, Alas for the Mistrider. That is better than what I had.
1: (laughs) It's, It's kind of haunting, isn't it? No, it's really
2: nice. I don't sing it because my voice isn't very good for it, but those who can... It is a great song.
1: And a
0: staff member winds through the crowd to bring you three bowls of hot beef stew. Thank you. It is golden brown and full of carrots and potatoes and other tubers. You know, solid, easy food. It has a complex, spicy scent that you kind of expect in a port town. Mm. There's
3: some of the same stuff and this is in the thing that you got me.
2: That would make sense.
1: It's, it's different than I've other ones I've had before, but it's quite nice.
2: Well, it's what left an impression on me. Hmm. I
1: wonder how they get that sweetness to it. And
0: alas for the wind ride. Right? Oh, wait. Alas for the mi- bleh, Meow! Meow, meow, meow!
2: No, it's and not the uh, Meow Mix commercial.
0: Meow, meow! <laughs> 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 and the worst part is just like Nick is there verbally edge guarding, so every time every time I'm about to recover, Nick has to get another jab in and kick me out, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, pew," and then I lose a stock. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's how it goes. The last notes of "Alas for the Mist Rider" trail out into the bar. Some of the audience claps, many of them don't. Many of them just go about their drinking. Tessa claps. And the bartender brings the singer a mug of something, and she just, without retreating to a table, just sits with it in her lap and drinks. The patron with the flute sits nearby. They exchange a couple words. And once again, the bar is quiet.
1: I wish you'd sing another song. It's so nice to have the music.
2: Well, I could sing something, but unfortunately, I did leave all my stuff back on the ship, so.
3: Well, she wasn't singing with an instrument before the other one came.
1: That's true. You
3: should go ask if you both know something.
1: Duet. That
2: sounds like a good idea, actually. And uh, Cobb sort of like finishes uh, probably the rest of his ale and like tries to eat as much soup as he can. And gets up to go talk to the singer gal.
0: Uh, Up close, you can see that she is not particularly tall, not quite as short as the barkeep, but sturdy. She's got kind of a muscular appearance, very direct eyes, dark skin and hair, wide brown eyes that look directly at you as you approach and there is something weirdly familiar about her in the way that you find most of your own type familiar. Which is to say, even when you meet a strange navigator, you are, after all,
2: friends of the same friend. That was quite the rendition of uh, The Mistwalkers. I <laughs> immediately forgets the song name. Thank you. <laughs> sounds like uh, Sounds like there's a little bit more behind it than just learning the lyrics, though.
0: <laughs> well that's how sea songs are, isn't it? You can know them and then you can know them. <laughs> she puts away another deep gulp of what appears to be the ale. Can you roll me sensitivity to humanity,
2: please? Uh, just one success. That was kind of a that was a pretty bad roll. Nothing is a miss. Nothing is amiss. Not a thing. So I suppose it's not unusual to find other navigators here, but not a little. Where did you learn that? Ooh,
0: that was goodness. That was my old quartermaster used to sing that one to us.
2: Oh, what'd you say? Uh, what'd you sail on? Who was, uh? Who'd you sail with? Uh,
0: merchantman. I uh. Jeff Merchantman. No You can't unsay it. I can't unsay Jeff Merchantman. No, you can't. <laughs> no, it, it's a common misconception, but we weren't actually a, a Merchantman. We were, um, I mean, for a time, privateers, but uh, old Captain Jeff Merchantman, uh, true to his name, did his best to keep us on the straight and narrow.
2: Oh, I know how tough that can be out there. <laughs> and you are? Oh, uh, Jonathan Cobbler. Please, my friends just call me Cobb.
0: Pleasure to meet you, Cobb. Woltha.
2: Pleasure to meet you, too, Woltha. And your friend here?
0: Acquaintance from the bar. Hmm. And he kind of gives a bit of a wave. He's kind of mid-mug. You play a mean flute. <laughs> he puts down the mug, kind of wipes his chin off and... Uh, th- thank you, thank you. Caldas uh, Caldas Wafer.
2: Oh, nice to meet you, Caldas. A pleasure. So are you stationed out of here, or is this just an, is this just a port town for the two of you?
0: Oh, uh, I'm waiting for somebody here you can call it a rendezvous point Calda says and Wolfa uh, blinks I uh, I live here now Been settled down after our last voyage. I may set out again but for now I've got both the time and the money to drink
2: well, hopefully it hasn't kept you away too long hey it was uh, it was nice meeting another it was nice meeting another navigator. A pleasure. Despite the fact that I've been on the, the ocean for a while now, I don't see too many others, but, uh, yeah. You'll find plenty here. Thanks for the song. My pleasure. And Cobb kind of, were they were they actually busking he would give them money, but I don't think they're doing that. So he's just going to get up and head back over to the table.
3: Uh, so if Claire
2: were here,
0: she'd be pounding on the table shouting at you because you promised to sing a song.
3: Yeah. Well, Tissa was about to say, like, I, I thought that you were going to oh. do it. Yeah. Did oh. you not know any?
2: No, Nick forgot. <laughs> 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 uh, Nick just came off of like 10 hours of working.
1: No, no, mm. that's legit. Yep. No worries. Understandable.
0: Everybody send Nick your power. You won't be hearing this until after Nick's crunch time is over, probably, but send Nick your power.
2: Send it back in time so I can get it now. Send Nick your power through time. (sighs)
0: So, eventually, uh, Caldus comes to your table. And he kind of gives a little bow. He is a tall fellow, probably about Cobb's height. He wears a pair of little wire-rimmed spectacles. He has dark hair pulled back tightly against the back of his head. And he says, yeah, Um, so, I, uh, I hear you guys just came into port. Yes. board that big old ironclad, right?
2: Yeah, that'd be us. We're, uh, we're shipping some friends back up to, uh, to where they live.
0: Oh. You have friends from up? Well, we do yeah. now. Yeah, everybody's got friends from all kinds of directions these days. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't met, uh, Caldus, wait for him. And he, he holds a hand out to, uh, to Penelope, who's probably closest.
1: She shakes his, Penelope! Penelope, where am I?
0: Not gonna worry about it.
1: Have you been to Stageport before Penelope? Never, this is my first time in a city like this. Oh, who is it?
0: I'll remember later, I'll remember later.
1: It's a, it's a... It's a city, for sure.
0: <laughs> it is that. And there's a sudden commotion up at the corner where the two were playing their music. Somebody has come in and kind of breathlessly run in from the street to talk to Woltha, And she immediately throws back the rest of her drink and makes a run for it. And is just like, oh. What's all this then? No clue, bye. <laughs> uh, bye.
1: Penelope kind of just... Lifts up I? a hand and waves.
3: See, this is why you get lost here, is because there's always everything all of the time in all of the directions.
1: There's too much everything.
3: There's a lot of it anyway.
1: <sighs> there's
3: a lot of it.
2: It can definitely get a little overwhelming.
3: Tissa looks at her glass, which has none of it. There's a lot of it.
2: <laughs> now, I warned you about those. Do I need to. Are we going to be carrying you back to the ship tonight?
0: No. No. No, I'm okay. So, Keldas eventually returns, uh, breathless. Hair's coming loose a little bit. Blows it out of his face with a little puff. And, uh, so, um, would you like to join us?
3: Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, here's the thing. People run for Watha when there's a horror around. Oh. Well,
3: yeah, and then we definitely need to, right, then?
2: It'll be just, it'll be like old times sake, everybody. Let's go.
1: Mm. Uh, all right
0: kind kind of. Now, if uh, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to um, help. I'm probably going to help. And he thinks a minute. Yeah, I'm probably going to help. Excuse me. Well,
2: lead the way, and and Cobb finishes whatever is left, whatever he's he's left over there, and and follows. Did you grab anything? Um, Cobb has his boot knife. Cobb left most of his stuff on the boat. <laughs>
3: Tissa has her spear because she never doesn't. And maybe that's one of the things that makes her a little bit like not great socially is that she's always carrying around a weapon.
0: Yeah, maybe I think this is great socially. <laughs> so the four of you round a corner, there's a commotion. There's not as many people out on the streets as would have been during the day, but of course the horrors only come out at night and about, Four blocks away from the still-unnamed tavern with the rose on its side, there is an old, decaying husk of a building, half-sunken into the ground. And out front of it, you see a creature. It stands about the size of, like, five cows. No, give me a second.
2: That's that's a really big creature.
0: I gotta stop thinking of everything in terms of cows also, five, you're right, is a lot of cows.
2: Are they, like, standing up on each other? Ah. Is it tall? Edge guarding.
3: <laughs> How does it compare to, like, <gasps> Airport Tim Hortons? Is the same size as Airport
0: Tim Hortons? Why? Why? Why, why, why? Okay. You see in front of this decaying building a creature. It's about the size of a horse-drawn carriage, but its silhouette is complex, a hulk of planes and edges and corners, as if somebody had picked it up and crumpled it up like a piece of paper. The interior of it is pulsing with a dark orange-red light that seeps through a pitch-black exterior. And as you and the navigator approach it, hands begin to unfold from the ends of these planes. One, two, three, four, a dozen hands in what appears to be a circle. Some of them move as if to cover the vulnerable core. Some of them move back in a gesture of imminent violence. And some of them just stretch and contort at midair trying to find any purchase on something, but failing.
2: This is pretty rare scene in this far into a city, isn't it?
3: This looks like, oh wow five successes on understanding spirits. What else can you
0: tell us about it? Uh, what I can tell you with that many is twofold. First of all that Stageport is an ancient place. It is not common to see horrors within the city limits, but they do exist here. There has been violence in this city since time immemorial, after all. The other thing I could tell you is that the central pulsating light inside of it does kind of look like embers. Oh.
3: So, so that we can do whatever we want here in this abandoned factory with an unfolding horror, what are the spell pieces? Oh,
2: spaghetti. That is a very pertinent question.
0: We are looking at stormy, lively, haunted, ancient, and pain.
2: Those are definitely some old, rundown factory words.
0: Yes. And now the time has come to roll dice 12. Uh,
2: 22. Cobb is very fast today.
3: Very fast?
2: Cobb has awoken from his stew-induced stupor.
3: <laughs> That's why they call it a stupor.
2: Exactly. To uh, to forgo time, so he is ready.
3: He's ready to stab the fuck out of a thing with a boot knife.
0: Yeah. Oh, you ruled bad, Calvins. You ruled very badly.
2: Yeah, Cobb is kind of like holding his knife in one hand, and he has his other hand over to sort of protect him. He's just like, I don't know how much this is going to work, but uh, I'm here for you.
0: I forgot to roll for the horror. It rolls these ones. Oh, shit. It rolls a lot of good ones. Oh, spaghetti. Uh, the first thing happen- that happens is Kaltes takes a look at the horror, looks around, signals to Otha that you guys are here, and I guess tries to attack it. It draws a long knife and tries to attack it. It's going to daring melee weapons it. He's going to daring melee weapons it. It's not...
2: But he is when he needs to be.
0: Yes. And he does strike it. He nicks it. It doesn't seem particularly impressed by this, but it has been wounded. The next thing that happens is the horror goes. And what the horror is going to do is reach out one of its many arm. And the hands, by the way, are unfolding into full-fledged arms. Okay. And it is going to reach out and grab Kelda's by the wrist.
2: All right, Cobb is going to try and intercept it here and get its wrist with his boot knife.
0: Okay. Roll me some daring melee weapons.
2: That is three successes, two edge successes.
0: Okay. Three successes, two edge successes, I think is enough to just, like, it flinches back from this and lets go of the grip it was attempting.
2: Get back. Whatever is going on over there.
0: It flinches back and as it continues to unfold itself, a dark smoke starts to pour out of the center of it, obscuring much of its shape and the unfolding arms and hands. And it is Tissa time.
1: Hmm. Penelope casts lively wind. So she uses this to remove the smoke. From D Okay. Uh, and she uses... Um, just-
0: if you are trying to completely remove the smoke from this encounter, I am going to... This may be me tipping my hand a little bit. I am going to charge you like five scatter for that. If you would like to have a prevailing wind that is driving the smoke out, but like you still can't stand downwind of it, then I will only ask you for three.
2: Ooh, big decisions.
0: Oh, here's something for people hoping to GM Heroic Cord. Something that hasn't come up before is that pricing of magic spells is explicitly based on how much they do to solve an encounter. So by me charging a lot for this, I'm saying this spell as intended would make this encounter way too easy. So you're going to have to pay for it if that's what you want.
2: Big pay for it.
1: Big pay for it. Yes. I am going to take the five, actually. I'm going to clear the smoke for the encounter.
0: Very good. Tell me what Lively Winds looks like and does.
1: It's more of a feeling and a scent. It's like the winds you get at the end of summer when the fruit is ripe through an apple orchard or something like that. It has a scent, a very earthy scent, and kind of a slight chill to it in a pleasant way. And it just feels not foreboding, like the wind of a storm, but more calming, like the turn of cycles, like this is how it is every year and how it's always been and how it will always be. It's, it's comforting.
2: And it sounds like harmonicas.
1: It sounds like her- <gasps> mm-hmm. And I like that, actually. Yes. And there's <laughs> there's a soft sound of harmonicas on the wind. That is good. That is.
2: You got to lean into the cowboy thing more.
0: Mm. Carson, <laughs> no, don't ever take advice from Nick <laughs> <laughs> but that being said this lively wind in addition to being soothing and calming whisks this black smoke up and out toward what looks like a shattered window effectively removing the smoke from the horror and now you can see the tangled up mass of rough edges and glowing red insides that this horror has been trying to obscure Mm. and now it is tissa time tissa is going
3: to follow along the same train with stormy sands what do you do when something is on fire you throw a bunch of sand on it
0: you throw a bunch of
3: sand on it
1: that's what are you afraid of the dark taught me I am
3: willing to throw probably up to five scatter worth of sand on this.
0: Okay, and are you just looking to damage it? The sense is like,
3: kind of how we tried to put out the anger of the first horror we thought. Kind of put out the fire of this horror a little bit.
0: Okay, so you're more thinking forced scatter than you are. I'm more thinking
3: scatter than I'm thinking damage, but... If this is more a damagey thing to you?
0: Um, no, I dig it. What do you say to picking a uh, round number two for one? I'll scatter four. Okay. All of the
3: dust in the room sort of lifts up and swirls around and whips through the door a little bit or sort of the collapsed entryway and piles into the center of this horror. It's stuck there for just long enough for you to see it glow through all of the accumulated dust and shake it back off.
0: Speaking of shaking it off, the next acting time is the horror. And the horror hates all the things that have happened. So it gives a dramatic gesture, like the arm swing of a particularly bombastic person in the middle of telling an exciting story, but Ten times all in a complete circle. And it emits a dull roar, almost too low-pitched to hear. And as it does so, three balls of burning debris materialize in the ceiling. And they fall at I'm rolling again on a six.
2: Big bunny, big money, no no whammies.
0: One of them is falling on Cobble. No, I said no whammies. One of them is falling on Pamelope. No. And one of them is falling on Wotha. My notes say this can be avoided, but almost all of these people have taken their turns already.
2: Yes. Yes, we have.
0: Um, so I'm just going to make everybody take damage. Mm -hmm. Four of them? This massive hot debris on fire just materializes above you and clatters to the ground on top of you. And you can see through the smoke and the sand a flare inside the horror as it does this. And the place is bathed very briefly in red orange light before it dies down a bit. Begins to pulse in a steady, breathy rhythm. The reason she took damage is because we're gonna have a character use their key. Woltha is going to activate her courage key and roll a fistful of dice for the express purpose of punching it to bits.
2: Just lay into this thing. Cobb is sort of like getting out from like throwing off the burning wreckage and is just kind of like, oh, okay then. As she just runs up to like clock this thing.
0: She absolutely (laughs) does. She runs in, adjusting a glove on her hand, and just barrels right into this creature, unloading on it with both fists. And as she does, it reaches some of its arms around to grab onto her and try and stop this onslaught. And to an extent, it does. But before it can slow her down, she has landed a couple extremely cruel uppercuts to it. But now it is holding fast onto her arms. And the horror is... It's its turn. Oh, did I mention I gave it a bunch of turns? Well, it does
2: have a bunch of arms.
0: Yeah. It is going to...
2: Also, there is only one of it. That kind of makes sense.
3: And there's also kind of ten of it. Yeah.
0: It is going to make a roll... Try and disrupt the person who gave it so many uppercuts. It kind of pulls with off her balance a little. And it is time for a fresh round.
2: Fresh round.
0: Fresh round.
2: Call Everybody this your a- first.
0: He is first because he is a slow boy. Mm. Slow boy who doesn't quite know what to do here. Um. I know you took that. He is going to... Oh, no, this is a terrible spell. This is an awful spell for an awful boy. Okay.
2: Does he also have shark?
0: <laughs> he doesn't have a shark. This is me throwing in my hat because um, he looks around. He's very clearly on kind of his back leg here. So he closes his eyes and he gathers up what is special about this place. And... What manifests in his hand is a shining dagger shape of light that he, with a dramatic sweep of his whole arm, flings at the horror, embedding it inside. And the cold blue light seems to kind of disrupt it and set it off its rhythm. And the spell we have cast is knife pain. (laughs) I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask if that's what happened. The spell we have cast is Knife Pain.
2: <laughs> Hurt Knife. Ouch. Pain knife. blade.
0: This is all my own fault. I can't blame anyone else for the fact that I'm allowed to do this. And that's... Now I understand why Kirsten gets such a rush out of it.
1: <laughs> it's a good feeling, isn't it?
0: Yeah, casting dipshit spells is pretty dope. <laughs> and what's the horror think of Knife Pain? I gotta tell you, it does not seem to like Knife Pain. That rhythm is growing uneven. And it is Tissa time. I think that Tissa
3: is going to daring mid-range weapons it because Kathleen wants to make sure that she actually uses her fancy spear.
2: That's right. You do have a big fancy spear now.
0: Yeah. In addition to another property that I would like this spear to have, it also is going to grant you, I'm going to say, two additional dice. Holy fuck. Is that a lot? It's a good spear. Yeah. Plus, like, we're coming up on the end of the season. I need to be more dramatic. That looks like
3: two successes and one edge successes. Eight dice, but not that many fives.
0: Two successes will hit. Three successes Mm -hmm. will deal more damage. Yes. However, keeping the edge will also put her in a position to grab onto. Well, what's the point of
3: using a spear if you get grabbed? So I'll just hit.
1: Okay. Next to act,
0: Penelope.
1: So Penelope, I think... Because I don't think Penelope brought her weapons from the ship, like her bow and arrow. Okay. She might have a a dagger. So she's going to actually use her impulsivity key. Okay. And just, like, straight up try to melee this thing.
0: That is not what Penelope's used to. Okay. (laughs) It is not. So when you activate your key, what you do is you mark it off. And you gain two
1: extra dice. Sweet. So Daring... Melee, I guess, right? Go for it.
2: Penelope also have boot knife, which she probably uses to eat with.
1: (laughs) Oh, most likely.
2: Well, I mean, that's also kind of what you use them to do. So that's not actually Penelope being that weird about it.
0: Look, there's a lot of ways in which Penelope is a gremlin. That's not one of them.
1: (laughs) So Penelope got three successes.
0: Three successes is gonna hit. And it's not gonna like that. It's not gonna like that at all. What the horror does is begin to kind of pull itself back in on itself. As some of the arms begin to fold back in, well, that's kind of struggling against it, but can't quite get her wrist her wrist free. And it's pumping smoke out into the air, and that smoke is being wicked away, but not to the immediate advantage of somebody who's immediately who's grappled by it. But I guess it is her turn, and we're gonna try this again. Or maybe. No, it's got both your wrists. You can't keep punching it. So what she is going to roll is adaptability athletics. She's going to kind of try to twist her way out of this thing. So she appears to be diving down, but what you actually see is that she is reaching down in order to twist herself around and break free of this creature's grip. She does end up having to take a knee, and when she comes out of it, she is scorched, and she's got soot smearing her. But she does manage to get herself loose from the horror. And now it's Cobble time.
2: Cobb is brushing off some of the, uh, I guess, burning debris from him. Going to need lots of ointment for that one. Volta, back me up. And Cobb is going to cast Stormy Wind to pick him up and carry him up to the top of it, where he's going to grab a bunch of its arms and try and basically pull it in another direction. Okay. I can't see why
0: I would charge you more than two scatter for this. Since most of what you're going to be doing is also going to be a physical roll. However, if I charge you four scatter for this, I also won't make you roll athletics.
2: I will roll athletics because Cobb has a lot of it and he is combat specialist aerial. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. (laughs) So Cobb is very good at doing really dumb stuff like this.
0: Yeah. Uh, what combat specialist aerial means is that if this wants to prevent any of Cobb's attacks, and it can, it's first going to have to beat him on an athletics roll. So make that athletics roll. It's going to, by the way, <laughs> because it still has an action left, which it's going to try to use to stop this from happening.
2: Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four successes, one edge success.
0: Oh, that's so many.
2: Cobb is very good at this.
0: It got three successes, it rolled really good. Yeah. (laughs) But it is not capable of stopping Cobb from just jumping on it.
2: (laughs) This is literally Cobb's second best thing. (laughs) Great.
0: It's time for a fresh round. Cobb has the horror in a full Nelson.
3: It's like more than a full Nelson, it's like a 300% Nelson. It's a couple, it's a Nelson convention.
2: (laughs) Cobb is like trying, basically he is like grabbing arms and trying to like twist them up like a big bundle of wheat and just grab this whole thing and just basically try and like pull it backwards and twist the whole thing up.
0: Very good. It's time for a new round, which means it's the horror's turn. Please don't do this to me, the horror seems to say. It doesn't say that. It just wrestles and, and it crackles and sputters in anger, but fails. Uh, Cobb, you are flooded with this thick black smoke as the smoke is being wicked upward and you are on top of it. And you get the immediate impression that you shouldn't breathe it. That is a good impression. That's the impression that you get. Cobb is
2: thankfully good at holding his breath.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess, huh? So Caldas is going to cast another spell. He is going to close his eyes and focus. And the dark smoke around the creature starts to take shape into these human expressions that branch off the main path of the smoke. Moaning briefly before vanishing back into it. They stretch away from it and seem to claw at the horror. They reach into the smoke and pull others of their own kind out. And we're going to try to roll. Oh, why did I? No, you have one understanding and no focus. You knob. So what says, has cast is haunted darkness.
2: Oh no, we're using the darkness again.
0: Okay. Infiltrators have an ability in season two called sympathy. That whenever they scatter, they can roll understanding focus to force their opponents to scatter as well. However, he's not suited to using this ability.
2: Oops. No.
3: Tissa time. Tissa has seen the opportunity with the smoke sort of trying to turn back against the creature and Cobb wrestling with the arms and is going to make an attack but is also going to throw Two Scatter into Finding Pain in order to
2: stab gutter.
0: Oh, very good. Oh, very good. I like Finding Pain.
2: It's, it's, a little, it's a little brutal, but I guess this is going all in on the metal today.
0: Yeah, I guess so. We have a heavy metal
3: Tissa today. Two edges and one success. Not the best
0: rolls, but I think that she's committing to this one. You know what? If you keep the edge successes, all of this damage is going to be physical. I'm not going to give you the scatter damage option. Yeah, that's acceptable. Okay. But that is definitely enough to make it unhappy.
2: I think both is just
0: going to rush it.
2: Cobb is kind of like gritting out through all the smoke. I'm trying to buy an opening here. Use it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'll hold it, you punch. (laughs) She knows how this works.
2: Cobb is trying to jersey a dude who's made out of arms,
0: and it's kind of working. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple things happen. One of them is that she does unload a lot of hurt directly into the core of this horror, with several quick jabs taking advantage of the fact that Cobb has left the glowing center of it exposed. But the problem with the approach that she's taken is that it is requiring her to be very close to it and breathe a lot. Mm. Oh no. So eventually she stops her assault. She has to fall back a little and you can see she's breathing quite heavily.
1: I was wondering, could I daring athletics to try to tie up some of the hands?
0: Yeah, I'd absolutely allow that. That sounds daring and athletic.
1: Three successes... And one
0: edge. No, three successes. Well, actually, let me let me roll it. It's not. uh, Can I get daring athletics from Cobb as well, please? Oh, no. My thought is that it has to beat both of you here. Oh, I see. Yeah. Two
2: successes, two edge successes.
0: Oh, it does. It rolled good. So it doesn't get loose from Cobb. It's not Cobb's turn, so it's not time for that just yet. But it is much stronger than it appears to be and manages to get out of the way of Penelope by just kind of brute forcing back against Cobb and shoving him backward.
2: Sorry, sorry, hold on, I got this. Which he is saying through the smoke and probably also over his boot knife, which, I mean, he didn't just drop it, so it's probably in his teeth.
0: It's probably in his teeth, that's where it goes.
3: That's absolutely the most swashbuckly place to put it. That's the most swashbuckly
2: place to put it. Speaking of which, cobble time. Alright, Cobb is going to jump off the back of this thing and like try and yank like half of it down with him, and I guess just kind of like almost do like a huge DDT on this thing. But obviously it doesn't have a head, so you so you can't really do that because it doesn't have a head, but like close enough. How can you DDT that which has no head?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very deep.
2: And what would you like for that? Would you like athletics or would you like melee weapons?
0: I think that depends. Do you want to hurt it by doing this or place it at a disadvantage?
2: I think this is just going to be an attack. Like Cobb is okay. just trying to like wrench this thing around and do big deeps to it. Yeah, if this is an attack, then melee weapons. Uh, Cobb rolled much better this time. What did he roll? Five successes, two edge successes. Oh, that's
1: very good. That's a good DDT. <laughs> hates
0: that. Not a lot! It hits the ground with, like, the sound of timbers snapping. The horror is going to get up, and it's going to summon some more fireballs. And it's going to fireball the following persons: Tissa, Pamelope, and Caldus.
1: I don't like that.
0: All of whom, because everybody else has acted this round, so nobody can take their actions there, take four.
2: And now the round is over now. The round is over now.
0: Do you wanna try and end the round? I mean like you have one of the highest initiatives on the track. You can pretty much act whenever you want.
2: Uh actually yeah, Cobb is going to jump ahead of everybody here. And like taking the boot knife out of his mouth is going to concentrate and cast ancient water, causing a geyser of seawater to erupt underneath this thing and hit it.
0: Honestly, ending this encounter is only going to cost you two scatter.
2: Uh, will take the two scatter then.
0: That's how much HP is left. And a geyser of water erupts from the ground, drowning it in steam. The slate blue color of which begins to eclipse the smoke and flood the room. And the horror vanishes into
2: a pile of ash on the ground.
1: (sighs) That was a close one
2: is kind of coughing and, like, waving the last bit of smoke out of the way of his face. Does this always happen? Uh, sometimes. <coughs> more, there's more adventure on
0: land than I thought. Wolfa is, like, half coughing, half laughing.
3: <laughs> Tissa is leaning on her spear and coughing and, like, Peeling, uh, singed scarf that just kind of disintegrates in her hand off of herself <laughs> and like sort of whips the spear out a little bit to cast Stormy Respite because she is so sick of this smoke.
0: <laughs> yeah, between that, the horror being dead and Penelope's spell. Yeah, the smoke and steam are cleared out of the place. <laughs> well, maybe it's good that I had help after all. Thank you.
1: Mm. Thank you. You have, um, you have a, pretty, a pretty sharp uppercut there.
0: <laughs> Why, thank you. you.
3: You just hit it with, with your fists?
0: <laughs> it's the best way to hit things. I, <clears throat> I think, anyway. Caldas is just shaking his head, just shaking his head just now. Uh sorry to get you three wrapped up in this, uh No, it's this is the this
3: is the right thing to do. This is what you're supposed to do.
0: One of us should uh go make a report, huh? Oh Report? I wanna go back to the tavern. Dibs out. No, 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 you can't you can't dibs out. You're the you you ran in. And they spend a minute kind of bickering.
1: What's what's the report for?
0: Well, um, Wulfa gives kind of a, I would say awkward, but it would only be awkward if she was actually trying. She is not. She gives an extremely lazy salute and says, um, introducing the Albatross Legion.
1: Oh, n- nice to to meet the Legion. So I, I guess you take care of Stageport?
0: Mm-hmm. Thank Our you. arch knight wants a detailed, detailed report every time something like this happens. And Mm, honestly, it's tiresome, and I don't want to do it.
1: Isn't each horror different? I think so. So, I don't understand how it would help. Hmm.
0: Right? One
3: success and one edge on just an understanding role. Legion? Is
0: that like a crusader thing? Hmm. We have an arch knight, but she's our only crusader. But, I mean, we're just in it to help folk but Uh. she wants it to be a legion so she gets to be a legion I guess
2: a crusader you say I wonder if that's where Marcus went
0: uh actually you know what I changed my mind I'm gonna do the report bye was it something I said no not not at all Mr. Kavler not at all not at all Waltha wants to go back and drink you know what let her go back and drink she worked hard tonight she's a little roughed up I'll go do the report okay (laughs) yeah you guys can come with if you want
2: to meet the arch knight I don't know, Cobb turns to Penelope and Tissa. Eh? Eh?
1: I I guess it would be polite to introduce ourselves. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: She's probably going to want to know who helped out anyways.
0: Eyewitness accounts and such? Ah, you guys will like her. She's great. And they probably have some burn ointment there, too. Oh, probably. Besides, she's nowhere near as stuffy as your commanding officer.
3: Oh, so you do know. Okay.
0: Well, that's convenient. (laughs) Oh, convenient. Right, yeah. Convenient happenstance, yeah. That we happen to be in the same bar? Yes. A coincidence. No, wait, no, let me me look at this character sheet. Did not give you... Oh, I gave you an okay subtlety. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Tissa failed her sensitivity (laughs) humanity role. So, yeah, the fact that you were in the same bar as this man was a pure coincidence. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Crazy random happenstance.
0: Crazy random happenstance.
1: They happen all the time.
2: Crazy happen random stance.
0: Crazy happen random stance.
1: Yeah, that's almost what I said. That's,
0: that's honestly what
1: I
2: heard at one point, so. So
0: Caldus gives a wave and both of sighs and does kind of take up the rear. <laughs> I think at the mention of burn ointment, she realized maybe she should probably go help with this. And begins to lead you on a course through the city. After about two blocks, you see the shipping crates and warehouses of the seaside district melt away into shops and businesses and the very beginning of an inhabited urban center. Some small homes that have probably been there for ages, one of which is caved in covered in ivy has clearly been abandoned for ages and within this house there is a stair and kaldis stands at the top of the stairs and kind of makes a sweeping gesture downward haven't you been to the undercity he says with a with a big old grin
3: listener, this is Kathleen. This episode and the next episode had a little bit of an unusual production pipeline. We ended up having to jam multiple recording sessions together and sort of as a result, I don't have a standard memory time for you, so I'll just keep things brief. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy the next one as well. And if you have anything that you would like to let us know about your production schedule, you can let us know exactly that at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter or at peachgardengames.com using the email form on the website. Thanks as always for writing in and hope to hear from you more soon.